You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Sophia and I'm a law student and welcome to our radio show called A Fresh Perspective on Current Affairs. We'll be discussing what's been going on in the world and how we feel about it as young Muslims in the society. You know, where do we fit in? What's our place? And joining me are some of my beautiful learned friends who will now introduce themselves. I'm Meher, I study politics and I'll be offering up some of my opinions on the topics we have chosen. Uh, I'm Kulsum, I'm an English and journalism student and I'm excited to share my opinion too. I'm Hamna and I'm a psychology student and I'm here to listen to what my friends have to say and I'm looking forward to contributing to the conversation. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to the show. Our first episode is about the Scottish leadership election, who's going to be the next leader of the SNP, big news, what's happening. It's happening on the 27th of March, so very soon. And to introduce the candidates and what they represent, I'm going to hand it over to Meher. So I'll just be taking you through the three candidates for this uh, leadership election. Firstly, we have Hamza Youssef. He was the youngest MSP to join Holyrood, and he was 26 years old. He also um, joined in 2011 and did his oath in Urdu and English. So something to say for representation there. Um, And he's now the Secretary for Health and Social Care. Um, His father is Pakistani, his mother is Kenyan but of South Asian descent. He studied at Hutchison's Grammar School and did a degree in politics at the University of Glasgow. And while at the University of Glasgow, he was president of the Glasgow University Muslim Students Association and uh, heavily involved in the Students' Representative Council as well. He's been involved in SNP since 2005. I mean, even when he was at university, he was heavily involved. And he worked as a parliamentary assistant to Nicola Sturgeon, among other MSPs. One of his biggest pieces of legislation was the hate crime bill, which protects the rights of many minorities. And yes, so... That's just a lowdown on Hamza. Does anyone have anything that they'd like to say um, about him as a candidate? How you feel seeing uh, someone who is of South Asian descent um, in this uh, leadership bid? I mean, obviously he's not the first one, you know. Alhamdulillah, like we've had a long line of, you know, since Bashir Ahmed, even a couple of decades ago, you know, this kind of Uncle G who was the first Scottish MSP who was um, of, you know, non-white kind of background basically but it's just seeing someone at such a high position it's just incredible because it's almost like the leader of the main party in power is partly representing what what Scotland represents you know which is the fact that it's um projecting diversity is a real beautiful a beautiful thing definitely um there's I think as second generation or even third generation immigrants it's you know, a long time coming, we've wanted this representation for so long Mm -hmm. and to see it in such an important position for someone who could be the leader of Scotland, uh, that's definitely something quite amazing. I think, like, in current times as well, like, at the age we are, the generation we are, it's kind of like the first time I've kind of seen someone, like, within our um, community kind of up there, Mm -hmm. which is I think it's interesting you said that he was the president of the Islamic Society. I didn't know that, but... That's such a weird feeling because yeah. we know the presidents of our Islamic societies. Mm, definitely, yeah. It's it's weird to think that those people could then go on to be in a position uh-huh. of power yeah, like that. Yeah, kind of. 
it, it sets the hopes high, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. yeah it, it's nice to know that, you know, anyone's capable of this and you start small, but then, you know, you could be running for the next leader of yeah. Scotland exactly. <laughs> one day. Um, so I think moving on, um, just going through the other two candidates. So Ash Regan um, was basically made her debut into Hollywood in 2016 as an MSP and then was the Minister for Community Safety at the same time. Um, so we know. So I, one thing that I came across when I was doing my research for this was that her dad had a kilt shop on Sucky Hall Street, which <laughs> no is way. so interesting. How That's interesting so nice. is that? Um, and she went to Keele University in 1992 and studied international relations, which is very interesting. You have both uh, Hamza and Ash having come from a political background, um, so it's interesting to see how that sort of plays out when they're speaking about it and things like that. Um, and then she also went to the London School of Public Relations and then joined Women for Independence when talking about Scottish independence, which was very much at the forefront of the fight for independence. Um, she resigned due to the Gender Reform Bill. and But yeah, another candidate to look out for. So any thoughts on this candidate in particular? Just anything that you'd like to mention? I think you kind of instinctively want a woman in power <laughs> but at the same time it's weird because it's like well there's a woman candidate but then there is also a South Asian candidate Definitely. and you identify with yeah. one of those things so. and I think it's those two identities and how they play out with each other is it that we want you know the South Asian part of you or the, the female part of yeah. you both really really important parts <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, yeah so it's interesting to see how that sort of goes through in your head as well what, what you're thinking of when you're looking at these two candidates mm-hmm. yeah um, I guess even like the familiarity of like Hamza went to Glasgow Uni, whereas you know the two different unis, one's like more familiar, the other one's not as familiar. It's kind of like, yeah, quite interesting. Definitely, yeah. and and looking at the he studied in Scotland as well, exactly. Whereas she hasn't, so even that aspect of it, where it's very very Scottish, his whole education, you know, from primary school yeah. to university. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Even the fact Patriotic. that he, you know, I think he was he not the MSP for Pollock or something like mm-hmm. the South Side. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's local to us. We all know Pollock Shields. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. He feels like more of a kind of homegrown. Definitely. You know, like one of the OG childhood mm-hmm. vibes. You know, and Definitely. he's also younger. And I feel like, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of always aware of his career in the background as he worked his way up from, you know, transport minister to health. So, I don't know, it feels a bit so, more yeah. relatable yeah. there. He's kind of yeah. like, like the guy that like, your parents kind of know yeah. in one way or another. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You have an auntie that knows him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. You're so right about the, the young aspect as well because we're so used to seeing much older people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then there's that whole question of how much does someone who's much older represent um, you know the the beliefs of people that are much younger so your constituents yeah. and I think that's a, a, another debate you know um, just seeing that having someone that's younger does sometimes work better for young people mm-hmm. and maybe for them getting involved in politics is something that it's a driving factor yeah. Yeah, for that mm-hmm. definitely um, so lastly we have Kate Forbes um, she was known as a rising star in SNP 
So she joined in th- 2016 as an MSP for Hollywood. Also very young, so 29 years when she um, became the finance minister in 2020. So she's sort of taken us through COVID. So all the ups and downs that the economy faced during COVID. Um, it was Kate Forbes that was going through that. So she, uh, a bit differently to Hamza and Ash, studied history at the University of Cambridge. Ooh, so that brings a, okay. a slightly interesting perspective to politics. I mean... History and politics are so closely interlinked. You know, as someone that studies ancient history, I can see that there's a massive link between uh, the two. I mean, everything can be traced back through history. Um, And then she went to Edinburgh to do her MSc in um, migration history and was a researcher for an MSP as well. So you can also see that uh, when we're looking at Hamza as well, a lot of these um, candidates have worked right from the bottom all the way mm-hmm. to the top. And um, she's she has some very conservative views. She's also part of the Free Church of Scotland. And that has posed some problems for her uh, during uh, interviews and just during this whole uh, bid to be the next leader of the SNP. So any thoughts, any comments about... I don't know if she studied history. I think that's quite cool. That was quite history interesting into politics Because like you were saying, like everything is like the foundation of everything is in history mm. so i guess her perspective of everything is, is fairly interesting and a wee bit different from everyone else for that reason mm-hmm. and even kind of intertwined with that is the idea of um the fact that she did migration studies like you sometimes think oh only a brown person can represent <laughs> our views you know but mm-hmm. if she has this this con- historical context which is always so key in britain especially Definitely. and she also has you know this idea of passion for migration and the kind of issues that we're obviously invested in I think maybe she could represent us quite well definitely I do think it's interesting if she's so conservative with her views that she's part of the SNP like Mm. I don't know that kind of threw me a little bit yeah definitely I I think what the SNP stands for sometimes doesn't really seem in line with her own personal beliefs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then it's also like that separation of like personal belief and she has reiterated this many times that you know her personal belief and then her political values maybe you know it's it's two different things and she's going to keep with her personal beliefs and have her political views. It's interesting I've never like considered that within politics that someone's like moral beliefs will actually contradict what they're actually standing for so it's, it's interesting it's one of those things you don't actually think about much yeah no that's definitely so true but then we do see uh, i think religious views coming in <laughs> through i mean yeah look definitely. at all around the world <laughs> yeah. i mean even in america you know a lot mm. of the policy that they're sort of pushing through um very much goes back to you know religion and christianity in particular yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely respect that separation, especially like mm-hmm, with Hamza sure. as well. So you've got a Muslim candidate and then you've got another religious candidate mm-hmm. and the separation between their personal beliefs and what they're going to do in their policies mm-hmm. yeah. is very important. Yeah, because they're part of the same party at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's been very vocal about the fact that he, his religion, he's very mm-hmm. proudly Muslim, mm-hmm. but also that, you know, his religion and then what his political stance is. You know, there's two different things. Yeah. And and I think the what his constituents say as well, because you really, as a politician, are representing your constituents. You know, that's what you're there for. And I think he's quite boldly said, you know, that's what I'm here for and that's my job, um, definitely. Um, so even coming to, like, um, talking about representation and identity politics, you know, I think all of us mentioned, you know, seeing a South Asian person. And I think just discussing a bit more what it means to see people of colour in high positions and whether it's always good or, or coming from a good place. 
So even if we just, um, you know, have take an example from this. Um, British Parliament, we have Rishi Sunak, who is also (laughs) (laughs) um, a South Asian man, you know, and uh, he's a person of colour. But his values don't align with many of the people of colour that live in this country, especially when you're looking at a lot of the anti-immigrant policy that's been Mm -hmm. brought in Mm -hmm. by him and his party. You know, it doesn't align. But uh, I think just, you know, sometimes I think it's definitely important to look past what a person looks like because focusing on what they stand for is more important than, you know, external. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think Rishi Sunak is a really good example of uh, not one person representing an entire community of people. Just because he is South Asian doesn't mean that he speaks for or represents all of the views of South Asian people, in Britain especially. Mm -hmm. I think, like, his presence kind of reinstates that there are many factors that come with every human being. It's not just where you're from and what you are culturally. It's also where you stand in terms of class, where you stand in terms of education, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's a lot, that, there's a lot to it. I think it's very uh, interesting that you brought up class because even if we're looking at Hamza Yusuf, you know, he was privately educated, um, but is sort of a very different person, is very, very mm. proud of his roots. But then you look at Rishi Sunak, who went to Eton and, you know, is a very, very different human being for that. <laughs> mm, and yeah. then is it, you know, that, that sort of debate of like, really, is it what you're taught or is it just who you are as a person that sort of shapes that um, exactly. later on? I mean, exactly. I think it comes down to, although they're both brown, as you say, and they're both privately educated, maybe they come from privilege, there is a difference which is quite noticeable between ignorance, you know, in the sense of how, you know, connected they feel to their culture and therefore their people. Whereas, unfortunately, I think with Rishi, as we've seen in a lot of the media coverage on him, he's maybe a bit disconnected. And obviously to be part of the conservative party, which maybe requires you to, you know, obviously this is debatable but compromise some of your ethnic roots because they are so anti-immigrant for example mm-hmm. i think you know and also interviews about uh <laughs> interviews with rishi being pretty socially unaware and just he doesn't feel like he represents the working classes and that's kind of quite you know essential to the immigrant identity these days you know mm-hmm. yeah definitely i think it's almost like some of these people live in their own bubbles mm. you know when you've been educated privately as with him and in Eton as well you know I don't think you're that aware of what people especially from a working class background are going through you know and if you're not aware of it then you I think have a tendency to pretend it doesn't exist you know you, mm-hmm. you will plaster over it and say I don't think it's like that or I've not seen it and I've not seen people experience it it's, it's I think sort of just being so cut off from it that it's exactly. just almost not relevant I also think he's been lucky enough to not have to really worry about that because it wasn't as if he was elected in, so he didn't mm-hmm. really need the favour of the people. So that That's wasn't a worry of his, I don't think. That's definitely true. And yeah. What do you mean? Sorry, what do you mean by like he's, he wasn't elected in? As in he kind of just became, as in the people didn't elect him. <laughs> oh right, right, right. Okay, okay. He came in after like um, who was, was it? Mistress. Liz Truss. Liz Truss. I was going to say yeah. Boris Johnson, but not Boris Johnson. <laughs> been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Oh, wait, oh, yeah, true. Oh, yeah, I remember. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they, and there's also that question, like, would he have been elected in? Do, do we mm. think that Britain's come to a place where they would have elected a brown man? Mm. I don't know, man. And then even with Hamza Yusuf, it's like, obviously, we don't know who is going to win, but yeah. mm. would it be a different outcome if we got to vote? Or mm. I don't know. Well, this is the thing about, like, yeah, I think they're even Rishi being the leader, 
even though he was voted in by the Tory MPs, there's been a lot of backlash and kind of almost racial sentiment. Like there was, um, I don't know if you guys saw that. It was like a, a radio show. Oh, radio show. <laughs> Just like us. <laughs> um, I think someone called in and said that he was, you know, lo- not loyal to Britain because he has these Indian connections, these American uh, connections, mm-hmm. and trying to like trivialize his Britishness, which is quite a common thing, you know? Yeah. Even with Obama, do you remember that when everyone was like, yeah. you were born in Hawaii? So Show me a birth certificate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think even you see it with um, like Suella Braverman, Priti Patel, the idea that they can't mm. fully be brown to be, unless, you know, or they won't be accepted by the British public or yeah. they have to show that they are somehow traitors to their people. Like, you know, we're not loyal to brown people. We, yeah. We're willing to throw them in a river, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's that argument of like, are they just maybe doing this to get to the places that they want to be? Do you know? Because mm-hmm. I think lately, is every part of them agreeing with what they say, and I don't, I don't know if it does. But then it's also, you know, that debate of like, you just have to do some things that you maybe don't agree with yeah. to get to high places. Mm-hmm. But I think Hamza Yusuf is a good example of how you can have both, because, like you said, yeah. the way that he is very openly and proudly a Muslim, mm-hmm. but makes it clear that that will not affect his policies. Yeah. So you're, he's kind of separating the two while still being true to himself. Being like, yeah. I yeah, respect that. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely. comfortable with his identity. Mm. And not just his Muslim identity, but his South Asian identity and his Scottish identity. Which, I don't know much about Rishi, but it seems more like he is very occupied with his position as a British citizen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't... I mean, I've never really heard him talk about his heritage much and so. not willing to sort of go back to that I think he's yeah, almost exactly. wanting to erase he's like that. almost indifferent yeah. to it in yeah. a way and it's yeah indifference that's it and then when we're looking at for example Hamza Yusuf I mean he took his oath in Urdu and English mm-hmm, which right. when I saw that and, and I read that I just thought that is so amazing as a Pakistani myself yeah. you know to hear that that's, mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't see someone like Rishi Sunak or Swala wanting to do that you know yeah, whereas like I'm, I mean I did see Preeti Patel is quite connected to being like a Hindu and I know Rishi Sunak mm-hmm. as well, is mm-hmm. as well but it almost seems like they separate that identity from their South Asian identity. So for them, that's just a very religious, mm. you know, sort mm. of... Okay. Exactly. It's almost like, okay, even if you, I don't know, put, don't put your brownness out there to get elected. Let's say you put that to the side a bit because you have to be in it to win it kind of vibe. Even, like, when you get there, though, I feel like the difference between a Rishi and a Hamza is using <laughs> your platform to then help your own people, you know? It's like mm-hmm. Rishi... Exactly. Yeah, like the last yeah. thing on Rishi's agenda seems to be propping up the South Asians of England, whereas yeah. Hamza being connected to um, his heritage and stuff, you know, he cares about the people and I think he would use that platform for good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and even if like Rishi does try to hide the identity, the rest of Parliament can still see it. Like, Hard to hide. <laughs> Definitely. And I think, I mean, it's also like, you know, if given the choice, would he hide that? Mm. And... I mean, probably, because if you're looking at, um, especially when you're looking at, I I think I remember seeing Suella Braverman say that, you know, she wouldn't apologise for anything that the British Empire ever did, or that the British Empire ever did. And it was almost like, wow. Bold statement. I know, and I I couldn't even see a white MP saying that. Yeah, that's true, actually. I was going to say, I feel as if, if any other white MP was talking about the empire, it would be in a very different way. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that they would have gotten more backlash for that as yeah, well. 100%. Whereas I think, and this comes back to the whole identity politics, she is a brown person. She has the sort of license mm. to say yeah. what she wants to say. Well, like, this is the interesting thing about like, we all attack pretty, we all attack, you know, Suella Braverman for what they say about immigrants. Um, even like the Rwanda policy and these really harsh things. 
but we blame it on, and you know, we project all our hatred on Pretty and say she's a traitor, she's evil. But actually, she's just doing this on behalf of the Tories. It's like they're using her as a kind of, as a mask to be like, oh, if a brown person's doing it, you know, either put all the hate on her or it can't be racist if it's a brown person. Yeah. 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 I think that comes back mm. to that one person is not representative of the of the entire community like yeah. she can't just be the face of the entire movement exactly. <laughs> and i think then it also puts the onus on our communities you know even looking at the south asian community to produce better representation <laughs> <laughs> you know it, like we don't like the representation that's there and it's not serving us in the way that it should maybe pushing for people to go into fields that are slightly different and you know more maybe politically aligned to have better representation for all of us and for the next generation exactly like there's such a pressure on you know doing medicine as we all know and have probably experienced <laughs> flashback to my parents uh, every <laughs> single day of my life um but his parents are listening <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean oh sorry <laughs> but also exactly as you say like the media presence of um our people and just putting our voice out there like it's amazing to save lives but there's plenty of brown representation in the nhs like we know we see it um it's Dr. Khan, we'll see you now, like, every single day. Um, But yeah, like, having journalists to make, you know, media that they can then spread to, um, you know, even the white audience and spread, you know, that awareness. It's so Mm. important. Mm. Big up Kosum. And I think we're always talking about how we don't like the representation that we have, yet we don't, I don't think we work hard enough to push for that representation yeah. because you're right exactly. that all of us as a community are going into one particular field mm. which is a very important field and we're not going to deny that yeah but then we i think it's it's a sorry state to be in to then beg for representation and cry about it when we don't mm-hmm. get it when we're not following that path especially mm-hmm. when you're not fostering that in young people as well like you said the pressure to go into stem subjects rather than creative subjects or 100%. you know english history based subjects um how can you then expect your voice to be heard if you're not putting it anywhere? Exactly. exactly. Definitely. And I think also from academic institutions, I think they are also at fault here, even if you look at schools, because I don't think there's enough of a push to push young people of colour into mm. these fields. Oh, definitely. You know, um, yeah. I think inherently they are pushed more towards the STEM side or like the computer science or whatever. And I think even when you get to university, I mean, studying politics and ancient history... There's very, very few people of colour. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I count them on one hand. You count them <laughs> yeah. on one hand. And I know that like, I go into rooms and just scan and see, oh, I can see a head there. I can yeah. see someone that maybe looks mm-hmm. like a person of colour. Yeah. And yeah, definitely, I think we need, we definitely need more of a push there, mm-hmm. both from our community and from our academic institutions That's as well. Exactly. And even on that, like you said, looking up in the room for another person of colour. It's also about looking for another Muslim person as well. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. I can maybe count um, the other people of color on my course on one hand. But if I'm looking for Muslims, I don't think that there is a single other oh, one no, I've ever seen in any of my lectures. Same. Definitely. Um, and I think also, like, for me, the excitement when you do yeah. see one. <laughs> like, if I see another <laughs> ally, <laughs> I'm like, you're coming home with me. We are best friends now. <laughs> we are best no, friends, yeah. definitely. And... And I think it's almost that you're so, you know, it's two sides of it where you're like, I'd love to be around people that look and sound like me or, you know, come from the same experiences. But then it's also, I want to study this subject. And it's just the the balance of the Mm -hmm. two. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also feel like a lot of the time when you try to make friends with other, 
young South Asian people who are maybe in the STEM subjects, you find you can't really relate on a lot of things because they have a completely different understanding yeah. of what you do. Yeah. And I probably don't have a very full yeah. understanding from, of what they do definite, either, yeah. but it's just harder to, to bond over that. From my experience, a lot of the international students I've met, uh, most of the students I've met, they're brown, are international. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of a boundary in that sense because they have a complete, like, um, mainly different... Yeah. culture upbringing from me mm-hmm. yeah. so like, there are those similarities in culture in like some aspects but like i'm scottish pakistani yeah, yeah. they're like you know south indian south indian it's like second gen immigrants. Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> like exactly. one of us are immigrants and the other one isn't and while there is those like lovely kind of similarities there's still yeah. that weird boundary almost yeah yeah which isn't a bad thing it's just an interesting point harder to, pose, to find an even ground where you're yeah you're all relating on the same yeah. thing yeah and i think even coming back to hamza i i'm it's so admirable almost that he would have gone through this because mm. i mean studying politics in the early 2000s that's yeah. true yeah. Man, right? would have been quite difficult and <laughs> yeah. i'm imagining that his parents were probably and i read up on this i don't think they were too for it and i think mm-hmm. most south asian parents you know and it's not to fault them it's definitely not to fault them yeah, you know we understand the privilege that medicine holds and um or you know just going into stem subjects but i think it's very very commendable for him to have gone through this and then to have paved the way for a lot of us yeah. to, you know, now to study this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the beautiful thing, actually, about, you know, regardless of his views, regardless of what we think of him, even about Rishi, I think, to play devil's advocate on Rishi, <laughs> <laughs> just having someone brown is just such a beautiful symbol of how much we've progressed as a community, you know? Like, Definitely. having, for example, if, let's say, Hamza became leader, and having that meeting between England and Scotland, and mm-hmm. obviously England and Scotland very white, you know, leaders of the empire and having two men, two brown men represent them yeah. is just a kind of a nice little, hmm. It's almost coming full circle. Exactly. I also think beautiful. that obviously, like I said about Rishi not being elected in, there is something to be said about having to push your way into these positions and I admire the fact that they've done that. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. They forge the way, exactly yes. as we say, when young people see them in these positions, it's just a sense of familiarity of, I can do it too, yeah, you know? Yeah. I can make it. And they're kind of making it easier for the next generation to hopefully not have to fight as much to get where they are and maybe to even be themselves a bit more you know if Rishi's had to put some of himself aside to be in power the Mm. next person can you know have a little bit more Hinduism showing a little (laughs) bit more a little bit more of his brown bring some Matai out you know (laughs) see what happens Um, we have focused a lot on Hamza in uh, this session of our show but I think that's quite apparent I mean we are South Asian we are second and third gen but I think even to come back to Ash Regan and Kate Forbes there's no white men in this leadership mm, yeah. to women that is, exactly. it's that's refreshing a, refreshing yeah Definitely. refreshing so I think then, sometimes even like because we're South Asian, we might kind of view him with rose-tinted glasses. Yeah, um, is which is something we should definitely consider. <laughs> definitely, not saying he's an awful man. Obviously, we all love him. <laughs> um, we all, <laughs> we definitely. We're all there are <laughs> there aren't two women as well, and yeah, yeah. that for us, all those women, that's quite nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it also shows how far we've come. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you go a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. I mean, we wouldn't have had the right to vote, or we would have just as women of color, we definitely would have. <laughs> had the right to vote, but um, it would have just come in, and then to you know. Uh, for the Scottish leadership race, for the next leader of Scotland, you know, you've got a brown man and then two women. And yeah. I think that speaks a lot to how far we've come as a society and exactly. hopefully um, we'll 
Mm-hmm, exactly. And the fact that regardless of the outcome, it's either going to be someone who it's going to be someone who represents us, you know, or someone who represents a more progressive view. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. We'll see what happens, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, just to round up this episode, I hope you enjoyed it. But hopefully after the election, which I say is on the 27th of March, um, we can do a little recap of who the new candidate is and how we feel about it. And again, just giving our snazzy opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you so much for listening. And inshallah, see you soon. For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.